Hello, everybody. Sorry about getting this podcast out late to you. Um, Easter Sunday morning was just yesterday, and I was all prepped and ready to record that sermon, and I didn't hit the record button. So I am going to give you the highlights of what I preached about yesterday and send this out to you. Um, You know, Easter being, or Resurrection Sunday, as I should call it, uh, is the most epic event and celebration in Christianity. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there would be no Christianity. Without the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord, there could be no redemption at all for mankind, and we would stay put in our fallen nature, doomed to a destiny in hell. Now, first, just let me tell you this. I I preached from Luke chapter 24 verses 1 through 8. And and let me let me make something very clear to people. Easter as it's known to us is a pagan celebration. Um I know a lot of Christian people do that. I know a lot of people get offended when I when I talk about this kind of stuff, but you can look it up for yourself if you've ever wondered why uh what the comparison is, what what the correlation is between the resurrection of Jesus Christ and rabbits and brightly colored eggs have to do anything with Jesus coming forth from the grave. If you've ever wondered that, well, that's a good thing you're thinking that way because it has absolutely nothing to do with it. And it was actually the practice of a pagan religion. Um, the, the fact that rabbits are a very fertile and have a lot of young. Uh, it goes all the way back to the fertility goddess worship, uh, but way back in the day, it goes back to um, the sun god worship uh, when the brightly colored eggs. If you've ever wondered why, why in the world do we take eggs? Rabbits don't have eggs, but why do we take eggs and color them very brightly and Well, all that comes from the sun god worship. And so, as it it is known, the son of God or the sun god descended from the sun in the form of an egg. It was rolled up into the waters. It was rolled up by the fish onto the beach and in the form of a brightly colored egg. And then hatched out of this egg was the sun god or son of God. Okay, so that's the correlation. Um... Uh, and, and so when you go back into the early days of Christianity, and I'm giving you a very brief overview of, of what all this stuff is. Uh, trust me, there's a, there's a whole bunch of preaching in what I've already told you. But if you go back into the early days of Christianity, what you see is a great compromise that was being held. So Constantine, who was the first pope of the Roman Catholic Church, had this problem. As Rome began conquering lands, okay, it would take on its peoples and their customs and their religions. So you had these Protestants, and that's where we get the word protester from. You had Christians who are Protestants who were protesting that they did not want to be forced to worship in pagan temples, uh, the fertility goddess Diana or any other pagan uh, religion. Uh, they were protesting this, so he had to come up with a with a solution 
to the problem of mixing all these cultures and religions together. The same thing can be said with Christmas, the Christ Mass, and Christmas trees and greenery and all these things. You can look this stuff up for yourselves, um, and it and it causes a great uh, issue with people in Christianity today because they do not know about these things, and people do these things in ignorance. But at any rate, uh, the Christmas tree, the same kind of thing, you know, uh, it, it's the only tree that stays green during the winter and, and Druids and Celts from the old days believed it was divine and it was inspired and you can go all the way back to Nimrod and the Tower of Babel and people believed that it was Nimrod reincarnated and they worshiped the tree. And the scripture talks in the book of Jeremiah, if you look at Jeremiah chapter 10 and read chapter 10, you will see the description of a Christmas tree in the Old Testament, way before the Jesus Christ came here to this earth. But let me just say that Easter, then going, going back to this, has no ties whatsoever to Jesus Christ being risen from the grave. But during, during Constantine's reign, the great compromise was Okay, you Christians say that Jesus is the giver of life. Well, these pagans over here, they think that, you know, fertility is life-giving and rabbits and they're young and they give life too. And, and so we're going to compromise this and we're going to put this all together and we're going to have this common ground. Well, there were many patriarchs of our faith who died for this purpose, not to participate in this. Okay, so... Eventually, after much torture and, and much persecution, uh, the church began to compromise and to give in, and it has, over the millennia, has snuck its way into Christianity where it does not belong. So, yesterday, we were celebrating the resurrection, the coming of life in a bodily form of Jesus Christ. It was essential that he rose again and overcome the grave, okay, in a bodily way. That secures our raising again. Now, the, the, the more or less what I taught yesterday was the theology of the resurrection. I'm going to read for you just a second, then we're going to talk a little bit. But it says in chapter 24, verse 1 through 8, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, this is Jesus' tomb, Bringing the spices they had prepared, they found, some, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by, the, by them in dazzling clothes. And so the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? What a, what a awesome question that the angels asked the women. I want to stop right there just for a second. Why do we look for living things among dead things? Men are, man in general, we, we try to seek life through all kinds of different means that doesn't produce life but produces death. The only thing that we can seek that brings true life is Jesus Christ. He brings us true life. And the angels asked that question, why are you seeking the living amongst the dead? Didn't he tell you that he would rise again and he must suffer this type of persecution? So 
looking at this just right there in that verse of scripture, and that's not down through verse 8, but just looking at this, the people knew him. He talked about this. He talked about him, you know, the fact that he would be persecuted, that he would put to death, be put to death, but he would raise again. This was significant because of the fact that they knew who Jesus was. They knew him to be the Messiah, Mashiach. They seen his miracles. They seen the things that he done. They seen the, the, the raising of the dead, the healing of the lepers, the sight to the blind, the hearing to the deaf. He did all these miracles right in front of them, taking a few fishes and a few loaves of bread and feeding 10,000 people altogether, probably even more than that. Um, the miracles that he done, the, 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 and it's important that we know the miracles that he'd done because they were prophetic. The, the, the fact that there were, there were hundreds of qualifications that the Messiah would have to meet, being born of the virgin and raising the dead, just, just the, the two most obvious, he met all of these. So these Jewish people was able to clearly see that he was Messiah. He was witnessed by hundreds of people in history watching him ascend into heaven. He is who he says he is. And let me just stop right there and just say, listen, to you, Jesus is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Jesus is either your Lord or not. He is either who he says he is to you. You either believe that he is Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, or he is the biggest charlatan, the biggest lying hoax that's ever walked the planet. So who is he to you? And if you believe that he's not a hoax and he's not a liar and he's not a charlatan, then he must become your Lord and who you place all your faith and your life into his hands. He will not settle for anything less. He will not settle for anything less. These people knew who he was. They lived with him. They ate with him. They talked with him. And all the things that we don't see that the scripture does not mention, they were there. So they knew who he was. So the question was, why are you looking for him when he told you he would rise again? Such a lack of faith that we have. Well, here's the theology basically in a nutshell. Jesus had to come in the form of a man for several reasons. And this is extremely important that you know this. Jesus Christ was not born. His existence did not begin on what we call Christmas. He always has been. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the always has been and the forever will be. Understand that. Know that clearly. It was a virgin conception. Christ placed himself into the womb of Mary so that he could wrap himself in man's flesh. The Bible says he was made a little lower than the angels. In other, wor in other words, he was just like us, but fully God on the inside. God could not die, so God had to wrap himself in flesh so that the he could overcome the flesh. There was a reason for this. Jesus had to go through every single thing that you go through in order to be a perfect sacrifice, listen, and a perfect Savior for you. Because you can't do it, and I can't do it. We can't save ourselves. We're full of sin. We're corrupt. 
we're cursed from the beginning of the fall inside the garden. We are cursed, and everything on this planet got cursed because of us. A Savior had to come and save us. Understand that. So here we have Jesus coming. Now the Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And by his stripes we are healed. That's a bodily thing. The body, the scripture says, belongs to the Lord. So the body is cursed. The minute that Adam and Eve gave over dominion of this earth to Satan, they began to physically die. They weren't meant to die. And I don't know how long they were in the garden. They could have been in the garden for a million years. We don't know this. But they were there. And then when they fell and handed the... God made the earth and, and said everything was good. And then he gave it to us. Folks, listen to me. He gave the earth to us and he said, Take it. Have dominion over it. It's yours. And then Satan stole it from us by way of temptation. Now death entered in. And it was prophesied in the book of Genesis that Messiah would come and stomp his head, Satan being his head. So Christ was foretold to come. So Jesus had to be had to come and be an, and his uh, another name for Jesus in the scripture is the second Adam. The first Adam failed miserably. The second Adam had to come and be completely obedient to God, even unto death, so that he could be the perfect Savior for us all. We can't do the work, so he came to do it for us, just like any good parent tries to do for their children. So Jesus wraps himself in the flesh. He becomes flesh so that he could be overcoming all this curse that's put on our flesh. By his stripes we are healed. So every time the executioner whipped Jesus with the cat of nine tails, that's a whip with nine strands with metal and glass tied in it, and they were experts at torture, the, the Romans was. They were experts at it. They would slash him, and meat would fly off his body. And he would bleed, and he was bludgeoned, and he was... And he was uh, whipped and bleeding and beaten to a pulp. So we see this happening to Jesus in the body because he has to overcome the curse of the body and he's going to resurrect physically so that you and I can be complete in our redemption, even unto glorification as it's called. So by his stripes we are healed. There is healing for sickness and disease and healing for this decrepit body that, that is going to go to the grave. And there, there's healing for it to be resurrected and restored and renewed. And Paul says, we don't know what we're going to become, but we're going to be just like him. And we know that Jesus received a new body. He wasn't even recognized by his disciples on the road to Emmaus. They seen him, but they didn't know who he was talking to. He started to, until he started talking to them and revealing who he was to them spiritually. Then they saw him for who he was. Mary was not permitted to touch him. He says, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father. She did not recognize him at first, but he got a glorified body, becoming what the scripture says is the first fruits of, of those of us who would rise again. There's been people tell me, well, there's other people that was raised from the dead. Weren't they the first fruits? No. 
They were risen from the dead in the corrupt body that they had when they went to the grave. Jesus is the first one to raise from the grave with a new body, the glorified body. He is the first fruits of the resurrection. So in his body, he had to suffer. And then the scripture says there can be no redemption from, there can be no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. So his blood was shed for us so that it could be presented to God as an offering for our sins. And then spiritually, on the other side of this, the Bible says the weight of the sins of the world was placed upon him. While Jesus was in the garden and he was praying, he asked the disciples to, to watch with him and pray for him. And let me give you what was going on. The disciples represent the church back in that day. Jesus' brow was full of the crimson red blood drops dropping from his brow as he was praying for us and, 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 and preparing himself to, to be the sacrifice and the, the weight of all the sins. That He that knew no sin, the scripture says, became sin so that he could take on him the problems, the issues of all of us. Every sin that you ever committed, everything you've ever done, every evil deed, every satanic thought, every bad thing that you and everyone who has ever existed in this world and everyone who will ever exist in this world, all of that was placed on him. And what was the church doing? They were all asleep. The church was asleep at the wheel in its most pressing hour. And let me tell you something, Jesus had to take on all, all of our sins so that we could be forgiven of all the things that we've done. He that knew no sin, this means he was a perfect, another name for Jesus is the Lamb of God, without blemish, without stain. The Old Testament commanded that each peoples had to bring forth a lamb for the sacrifice, unblemished, this is what Jesus was, unblemished by sin, perfect in every way, perfect in every way. He became sin that knew no sin so that he could be our, be our propitiation for all that we have done, you see. And let me tell you, when he went to the cross, as the church was asleep in its most pressing hour, he went through the mock trial. He was beaten and bludgeoned and, 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 was, and, and the Bible says he said not a word, but yet he went to the cross and he, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my father, why have you forsaken me? And, and, and there was a separation between the Godhead as Jesus was, had become sin. And how wretched of a feeling that must have been. I'm telling you, that was far worse for him than the physical ailments of suffering the nine-inch spikes. That, that's where the, 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 the rock group Nine Inch Nails got their names from, which offended me highly. I've stopped people in traffic that had that sticker on their car and said, you need to take that off of there because that's referring to Jesus Christ and the spikes that was sent through his feet and hands. Nine-inch spikes they put through his feet and his hands and they crucified him. You suffocate to death in, crucif in crucifixion. That's a whole other sermon. But he was put on the cross and then he cried, It is finished. The sacrifice had been accepted by God. He took all of our sins and all of our iniquities, iniquities, 
are sins you do on purpose. And he took all those sins and that was placed upon him and he stayed obedient to God even unto death because he loved you so much. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoso believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Then the scripture says the following verse, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He loved you so much that he endured this so that you could be saved. Understand that. The love that Jesus had for you kept him nailed to the cross, dedicated to the mission so that you and I wouldn't go to hell and have an opportunity to be saved. So now he goes to the grave in which the Bible says three days he was in the, in the, in the earth and he was preaching to the captives. And this is a whole other sermon that were that were that were waiting in righteousness and then the bible says that jesus took death hell and the grave captive and he led them away to heaven now you and i don't have to experience that as he went through the the, the grave he was resurrected in the newness of life completing so we have salvation and justification and now we have glorification where now we are complete we were a complete made in the image of likeness of God in the beginning. Now Jesus made it to where we were. We are complete in the end, being made in the image and likeness of God, both bodily and physically redeemed, never to experience sin again. This is the theology that now you don't have to do anything. You cannot earn righteousness. You could live 10 million lifetimes giving everything you've got to the poor and go straight to hell because it has nothing to do with you. Absolutely nothing to do with you. The only thing that you can do to save yourself is to believe in the one who was the perfect sacrifice, who took your place in death, who took your sin upon him and you believe that he was born of a virgin and you believe that he was resurrected from the grave, you believe that he is Messiah and you ask for forgiveness and the victory that Jesus won, God will give to you freely. It is a gift. You cannot earn it. The only thing you can do is believe. The Bible says we are saved by faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. There is nothing you can do to save yourself. So understand the whole mission of Jesus was to become a sacrifice to save you with. To do the things that you and I can't do. To remain faithful to God without sinning. To be perfect and fulfill all of the qualifications of Messiah. To keep the law to the jot and to the tittle. And to lay his life down. Jesus said, no one takes my life. I give it. I'm giving it. And God, who at the baptism of Christ descended upon him in the form of a dove and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Let me tell you something. The best news that this earth ever got come from a cemetery. In three words, he is risen.